Hey, everybody. Frank Aaron here, and I'm back again with my good friend Gary Beck. And the last conversation we had, we were talking about your gut and why it was so important to take care of it and how it was this sort of central hub uh, in your body that's often overlooked. You know, the brain and the heart, Gary, we can't live without those, and they kind of get all the credit. But that gut of ours is really um, the third part of the uh, triangle, I guess you would say, as far as running your... uh, your, your own internal biosphere correctly. So I want to talk today about um, taking care of your gut. You know, and you mentioned to me privately, there were five, five or so things that you could really do. You know, now that we understand the importance of our gut and why we want to keep it healthy, it's like, what do we do and how do we do it to keep it healthy? So you mentioned there were five different things that a person could do pretty easily without a lot of change to take care of their gut. Do you want to start covering those for us? Yeah, let's, let's have a little look, Frank, and uh, hi, everybody. It's great to be here again. The, um, I think you used a phrase the other day when we were talking, Frank, and it was considering the gut as kind of the lab uh, where everything gets um, worked on, and that's, that's kind of a nice way to look at things. So the lab and to neglect the lab, to neglect the gut, is essentially to neglect life. So um, just reiterating once again the importance and the uh, the wide-reaching um, ramifications, right? And the benefits if you're doing the right as opposed to the wrong thing regards your gut. So yeah, so so we did touch on this briefly, but let's just dig into this a little bit more. So one of the things that I made comment about was looking to uh, manage stress. You know, that was that was a big part because our digestive system won't function if we're stressed out. I won't go back into that too much at the moment, but just understand that if you're trying to process, digest a meal, and you're stressed out, it's just not going to happen. Now, is that because, I know we don't want to get too deep into it, but is that because your muscles or your insides are so tight, or is it because your blood flow is somewhere else, or? Okay, yeah, good, good, good point, Frank. It's quite simply, when we are stressed, or the term, of course, that we use is we're in the fight or flight mode. Right. Our body is designed to divert resources so we can deal with the stress. You know, we, can, we can run from the, from the saber-toothed tiger, as they say. So to do that, any blood that may have been circulating in our central area, in our digestive system, is diverted to the extremities, to our brain, to our limbs. And so you can imagine, it's, it's almost like you had a, uh, a, a mixer, a, a concrete mixer, if you like, but you forgot to put in the water. The blood is the water in this instance, and the blood's been diverted to deal with the problem. So now there's this dry mixture in the, in the system, and it's just not going to work. You're just not going to create anything. So you're not pulling out your vitamins, the benefits, the nutrients, et cetera, et cetera. You're not getting anywhere near that because the the whole thing just can't process. You just it, it's not getting the fuel it needs to drive the mixer, and so yeah, it's uh, not going to do that until the stress is gone and the body's come back down to that normal place where we're feeling a little bit more relaxed, and then the digestive system can kick back into into life and our our body does this in lots of different ways where it prioritizes different processes 
determined on how important they are, you know, right. relative to our ability to survive or not. And that's a good thing, but it does have some negative um, effects in some areas of, of our body's functioning. So, mm. yeah, stress means that the blood that's driving your digestion is sent elsewhere, so the digestion no longer has enough fuel to do its job and just won't give you the nutrients out of the food, quite simply. So you're, you, say you're stressed, you're eating lunch, something happens, you go into stress mode, that food just gets, and the nutrients just get unproductively, pro, they don't get processed correctly, but it's not like your body can go back later and pick up where it's left off. That window of opportunity has closed. Am I understanding, am I thinking correctly? To a degree, Frank, yeah, it has. It, obviously, the part of the inefficiency means that the process is going to be slower. So if gotcha. the stress is short, short term and the problem's resolved and you're able to sit back down and, and relax more, then yeah, the body perhaps can catch up and then get onto it. But it's, it, it, is, it is a stage-by-stage stage process, the digestion. So yes, if, if things have gone through efficiently to one point and then inefficiently to the next, that particular step might be the introduction of certain digestive enzymes. Um, and of course, if the, the mulch has sort of continued to go through without adequate of those digestive enzymes, then the next part of absorbing nutrients is going to be very, very inefficient, particularly. So they say, yeah, you're, and, and plus, it, I mean, we're always so busy in life anyway. If you can't have a meal, if that can't be your sacred time and your sacred space, you know what I mean? Like, what's the point of living, Gary? I mean, as on a side note, you know what I mean? Like, we're eating on the run, or we're—it's a bad habit of mine. And I'm trying to break. Like, if I'm hungry, I'll eat at my desk here. And it's like, dude, you own your own business. You've owned your own business for almost 26 years now. Nobody's got a gun to your head. Nobody's going to yell at you if you get up and walk into the kitchen or dining room and sit down and have lunch for 20 minutes. Nothing you're doing is that important. That you have to eat a sandwich at your desk because you have this like artificial deadline. Like when we were kids, we sat down, we opened our lunch pail. We explode. It's like my three-year-old foster daughter. When I drop her off at daycare, she unpacks her lunch and like every day's Christmas, Gary, she's like, daddy, look at this apple. Dad, look at this banana. Mom's give me you cookies. There's a little pack of fruit, you know, in there. And she's so happy. And like, she makes a whole big deal out of it. And you get, grow up and you just forget how important eating is and how, it's, how, how you should just take a moment and be in the moment. And I guess mm -hmm. that's, a, that's a topic for another time is just you know, how you can set yourself up for re relaxation so your body can process what it needs to and heal itself without this constant bombardment of, well, I'm going down a rabbit hole here, but you know, toxins <laughs> and stress. and That's for another call. But so number one, reduction of stress, right? Yeah. Yep, that's it. It's, it's a whole body process, you know, uh, and, and what you're touching on there is yeah, give your body a chance to do it properly. Take yourself away from your desk. Sit down and breathe for a moment before you start chucking things down and, and, and try to enjoy it. Yeah, it's, it's a, it ought to be a whole body process. You're smelling, you're feeling, you're tasting, and you're allowing that process just to happen naturally. Yeah, so yep, that's that's it. It's uh, it's uh, something I'm sure most of us could work on, and most of us probably. I'll, I'll raise my hand, Gary. I'll raise my <laughs> hand. <laughs> yep, and even you know, even things as simple as sitting in your um, instead of sitting at the dining room table, 
having a chat to the rest of the family and, and enjoying a meal, there's the, the good old TV dinner, you know, sitting in the TV room with your meal. So you've got the image and, the, and whatever it is on the TV blasting at you. There's even research that tells us that that doesn't really enhance your um, digestive system much as well. It, it's, it's a form of stress, if you like, this, this stuff coming at us from the television. So a lot of people do it, and for a lot of people it's normal, but it's certainly far from optimal. So I feel better about that because I refuse to do that, Gary. I don't eat in front of the TV. I eat in front of the computer screen, so maybe I'm a hypocrite. But <laughs> at least I don't. Eat, at least I don't. Um, at least I don't eat in front of the TV because that just oh, doesn't well, seem like we'll a good idea. We'll give you a big check on that one. Yeah, and it's the joys of working from home that allow us to do this. And speaking of the joys of working from home, in the back there, you guys will see my my one big cat, Rory. Uh, Clyde did a cameo here a few minutes ago. Gary and I both have the joy and the liberty and the pleasure of working from our home. So on these calls, if you ever hear a dog bark, a cat meow, a kid scramble, it's probably on my side of the uh, screen, but that's the, that's the benefits. I'm right in the thick of my family and maybe we'll enjoy it, Gary. It's about being fully present, even though it is a little stressful from time to time when we try to do these recordings when everybody else is out of the house, not always possible. Now, stress, so what would be like number two? So number two, and uh, this is where it's a simple, uh, well, I see it as simple, but I want to encourage people to essentially bring more greens and more fruit, more whole foods into the diet. And what does that look like? Well, of course, it looks quite different for different people because some people are quite good at that and others are really bad at that. So we want less processed, less uh, packaged foods, and more real food is really what I'm saying. Right. So look, look at what you've, when you go to the store, go to the supermarket to do your, your shopping, you know, what ends up in your shopping basket? And what could you perhaps change? Remove that processed product and see if you can put in one or two different types of vegetable. And the, you know, there's, there's a lot of research being done about the lack of diversity and the problem this is creating for us. Uh, the, the lack of diversity in our food is one thing that we know has created a reduced diversity in our microbiome. And this is, this is part of why whole foods, real foods, and a good variety of foods is really, really important. There was actually a guy who did a study of an African tribe in, in Tanzania, and he found that over the year, these people ate over 600 different foods. So their body was exposed to hundreds of different foods over the annual cycle. Right. And as a result, the diversity and the health and the strength of their microbiome, the, the good bu bugs in the gut, compared to modern man, is hugely different. The Western consumer maybe has, in general, 20 foods. That's that what they, I would have guessed, 20. Like on the, on the menu, there's like a range of 20. <clears throat> yep. So 600 versus 20, and the, the food that we eat 
is the thing that allows more proliferation of more different types of bacteria. And more different types of bacteria in the gut in general is a better thing. And, and uh, why, why though? Why specifically? Like what, what is it? What is it? Is it allow us to build defenses to outside toxins and, and diseases or? In, in part, Frank, yeah. It's, uh, so if we sort of go back a step and consider that, you know, we've got in our body, we've got something like 38 trillion cells. And that's lots of cells. But we've got about 10 times the number of living bacteria and, and organisms within our body. 10 times that number. And all of these different organisms that are present inside our system, and a lot of them are in the gut, not all of them, but a lot of them, uh, they have different roles. They have different roles and they have different abilities regards dealing with certain pathogens that might, we might be exposed to. They have different roles regards creating different subnutrients or cofactors within our system to allow different processes to happen. They have, some of them have roles where they, they process, how's this? When you eat fruit and vegetable, the fiber that goes through the system is a really important substrate that allows for microbes to proliferate. It's kind of like the, the, the matter that allows fermentation to occur, and the fermentation is what breeds the bugs. And as long as it's in an appropriate way, breeding more bugs is a good thing. But some of these bugs, Frank, they process the fiber and they actually make fat out of it. They make these, what they call short-chain fatty acids. So how cool is that? We don't have the ability ourselves to process the fiber into fatty acids, but these bugs within our gut do. So as I say, they have lots of different roles and the diversity we're discovering more and more relates to our health. Greater diversity, stronger system, better health. That's kind of where it ends. So basically this is almost a cheap insurance policy to, you know, if you connect the dots, if I understand it correctly, it's a cheap insurance policy uh, in, insuring gut, uh, you know, biodiversity in your gut, taking care of it, introducing different foods and, and so forth. It's a, is it reasonable to say, you know, not making any medical claims or anything, but is it reasonable to say that that is a way of boosting your body and your, and your immune system so that you're giving your body every possible chance without going dramatically at, you know, we're not asking you to eat tofu seven days a week or give up ice cream. What we're saying is choose more and choose wisely. And that's creating this whole this whole, think of it, you have a living city, you have a whole, oh, it's even a planet, basically, a whole world living in your gut, Gary, and you have to feed the citizens what they need in order to, in order to, to produce proper output, right? Exactly. Yep. That's a, good, that's a good way of looking at it. Yeah. We know that uh, healthy employees are going to... Are um, happy employees. Yeah, happy and yeah, happy employees are going to produce more for you. And uh, that's kind of a cool way to look at our microbiota, our microbiome, and the, the good guys that are doing a lot of work in behind the scenes for us all the time. So yeah, that, that uh, you know, we talk about diversity and the quantity, our, our whole gut ecology, and uh, that's what it's about. It's about the fiber in our diet, 
Um, and if we're able to get better forms and more different forms of fiber into the system, we're going to improve our innate immune system. And we're also going to even improve our, our moods and our state of mind. So this is no small, small factor. And, and we know that you know, we need vitamins, we need minerals, we need amino acids from our protein, and we need good oil. We need the essential fatty acids. Right. And fiber is sort of bunched in there in that and is often left out. But as I said before, the fiber in our food, people think about fiber as the, 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 the thing that helps me go to the toilet. Well, it's a little bit more than that. The fiber is, is essentially the primary fuel for the good guys. So it's really important that that substrate is there and that the substrate can be as diverse as possible. So that might mean simple things like having different type of, a different type of root vegetable each day to give you that variation. It could be potato one day, it could be rutabaga another day, it could be beetroot another day, it could be carrots, it could be, you know, just those simple things, as simple as they are, can, can add to the diversity of our microbiome and add to our overall health. And the, um, my nutritionist told me, you know, I was talking about my fussy eating and so forth, and I've been this way as a kid, I ate everything. I used to eat string beans out of the can as a snack, Gary. I mean, I was your perfect, give me, give me raw veggies and, and everything. And I was a happy camper. And I don't know, my, my eating just got off track over the years. But my nutritionist told me, she's like, listen, man, you don't have to change overnight. It's an evolution, not a revolution. She said, surely you can go to the supermarket and pick up two fruits that you never tried before, put them in your basket and take them home. You like them great, you don't like them great, you like one, you don't like the other, whatever, but, but just try. So we're not suggesting here overnight that you have to go lean, mean, and green because that's not realistic, Gary. I, I don't think somebody's going to change overnight because we could change, we, we're capable of changing overnight, but as humans, we're very reluctant to do that. So if you just change one or two little, you know, if you change one thing, you can change two. If you can change two things, you can change five. You change five things, you change the whole rest of your life. You know what I mean? Absolutely. It's, it's about overcoming the habits and just, yeah, as you say, making simple introductions of something different and getting used to that and then moving on to the next thing. Yep. And Gary, there's, there's such stupid habits too. Like I, I used to drink up until last year, I had to have 32 ounces of Coca-Cola before lunchtime or I couldn't function. It was the story I told myself. So Every day, I'd either go to the fridge or I like it from the fountain, you know, from the, uh, the convenience store, the carbonated, you know, from the fountain and all. And uh, I had to go to the store literally to buy a $1.79 cup of poison. You know, no offense to the soda industry, but they are not your the soft drink industry guy. But they are not our friends, man. They're not selling health food. You know what I mean? And I, ha I had to have it. Like, I had to have it to function. And what a load of BS because when I gave it up, First thing I did was lose 15 pounds without exercising. Second of all, I have to say I'm thinking better. And third of all, um, if I could make that change, and again, this was thanks to my nutritionist. She said, look, what are three things you can give up right away without, you know, what can you just give up that's a habit without thinking too much about it and making a drastic change? So I said, soda, orange juice. I said I could switch the vegetable juice in the morning. And then when I would go get a sandwich for lunch, I would pick up, 
pretzel, bag of chips, like all the little ancillary crap that it's a nice little extra, but it's not good for you. And I lost 30 pounds from August to January without it, without any massive addition of exercise, Gary. So when people tell me, oh, I can't kick the habit or quit the habit. Listen, my ex-wife was smoking three packs of cigarettes a day when I met her. She went cold turkey. And you know what? She probably didn't have a very fun week or two, but God bless her. She's been smoke, I mean, cigarette-free as far as I know for 30, 30 plus years, you know what I mean? Over, to, over 30 years. So I always look at her and I say, if somebody can go from three packs a day of Marlboro Lights to nothing, everybody's got something. Everybody's got that little thing, that little Jones, that little addiction that they have. If she can do that, if I can give up 32 to 64 ounces of soda a day, and my world didn't change, Gary. It didn't, my planet didn't spin. Well, that was what I was going to ask, Frank, is how did you feel when you all of a sudden were doing without that soda? Well, kind of embarrassed because I was like, well, this is stupid. I could have done this 10 years ago and <laughs> maybe had a few less cavities and a few more pounds and God knows what, how much phosphorus and all I baked my, you know, baked my bones with and all the other bad stuff that's in there leaching away at my calcium. And I don't know. I felt... I felt good for doing it and I felt like a dumbass for not doing it any sooner being hard on myself, Gary. Cause it's like, you know, you think you can't give something up and then I guarantee you so, not the risk of being dramatic. If somebody had a gun to your head and said, give up soda, you're going to give up soda. Right? So there's no question that you can give up soda or any other poor habit. The question is, how much thought are you going to give to the habit versus how much thought are you going to give to just getting on with breaking the habit and, and tying it back to gut health. Um, you know, I told you guys last episode, I'm no hypocrite. I'm, I'm Gary's the expert. I'm the person in training that's rebuilt, rehabilitating his entire body here and has a clear understanding that gut health is one of the most important areas to, to be focusing on. So, I'm no hypocrite, man. I've drowned my insides with, uh, flooded my insides with Coke and pretzels and chips and macaroni and cheese and, you know, spaghetti. And, and my weakness is pizza, Gary. And I know your pizza is different than my pizza, but my pizza <laughs> is made by an Italian guy named Nunzio. He tosses the pie up in the air, you know, extra cheese, extra tomato sauce. You know what I mean? It's like, it's gotta be good. It's gotta be good, Frank. Yep. It is, but it'll it's it's no good. That's the thing. But you well, know, this, this is where you, you you know, as long as you're not doing that every day, then it's not going to destroy you. It, and 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 I have a little confession to make. I think I just on this whole topic of habits. I just want to um, confess that there was a time. This is when I was working at my first job. In fact, so I was around 20 years of age, and I had a full time job. And I had a part-time job. So what would happen is I would have about a three-quarter hour break after I finished my full-time position mm -hmm. and before I started my part-time position, which was a couple of extra hours in the evening. And so there was this nice little takeaway joint not far from where I worked. So I got in the habit of going and sitting down and ordering a couple of pieces of, of uh, battered fish and, and chips and uh, and I think a, a coke as well at the same time So this is this was my habit. I would finish work You know and I need to eat in my sort of routine lunch and and morning tea and afternoon tea 
sat down for half an hour, ploughed through a, a full meal of fish, chips and, and coke. Then I'd off, go, go off and do my second little job. And then I'd go home and I'd have dinner when I got home. And I started to realise, you know, maybe I don't really need to be doing this. Why? You know, it filled in the time and it tasted good. But I realised I don't really need to do this. And then I go home and have a, a full meal as well. Is that really what my body needs and wants? So I made the decision that perhaps that's not what my body needs and wants, and I should stop doing the, the whole fish, fried fish thing. And I did. And I tell you, for the next few days or the next week, I felt as if I was absolutely starving during that sort of half hour period. I right. was absolutely starving. This, these hunger pains that just sort of came upon me. And it was that sort of experience that made me realize, wow, this thought process, these habits that we create that are associated with thoughts, feelings, and emotions have a lot of power because I wasn't hungry and I wasn't starving. I'd eaten during the day. I was going to eat my meal, you know, later on that evening. It wasn't a problem, but somehow, you know, that, that thing in my head here and the different sensations that it is able to bring up, you know, this feeling that I'm hungry simply because I've changed the habit. I've shifted this eating phase to a different time. And all of a sudden my body and my mind start doing this really big trick on me saying, Oh, you've got to eat. You're going to die. You're starving. Come on, come on, get, get into action. And this is what we have to overcome more than our body's physiological needs. It's getting over the little thing in our head that will trick us into thinking we need this or we need that or we're not, not going to survive if we don't have it. It's a real interesting thing. And, of course, it's what we battle against. And it's very powerful. So as you mentioned before, Frank, and, and I read it, um, like what your nutritionist said, just take one or two things. Change those things. You're not going to change all your habits in one day and just put them in place and over time, you're going to be doing something completely different when you look back a month or two later. Well, the other, the other thing too, and I think I forget if we mentioned this last time we spoke here, but I went from soda to juices to water. So now, I mean, I'm a little bit behind today, Gar, but this, this is um, two, two liters, I believe, right? Yep. Two liters. And it's got these increments on it. You know, you can see, I don't know if you guys can see it, but it'll say like 7am, 9am, like every couple right. hours, I'm supposed to drink sort of two, let's say a, a finger full. That's not a lot of water, Gary, just to drink this, where, where that finger is right there. Yeah. That's as much, that's as much water as I have to drink and this little bit of water. So from here to here, sliding up and down in two hours, that's like 10 sips of water. If I keep it with me and I'm constantly drinking, now I've replaced my Coca-Cola habit with a water habit. And it, again, if you could change one thing, you could change two. If you could change two, you could change five. If you could change five, you can change your entire life. It wasn't an overnight. I still have a long way to go, Gary. I'm no, I'm no expert at eating correctly. You know, More often than not, I'll, I'll buy salad stuff at the market on the weekends and I'll get so busy during the week I don't eat it. And the funny thing is I love, if you, if you give me lettuce, tomato, um, cucumber, 
uh, olives, um, you know, and good lettuce, romaine lettuce, not the little iceberg lettuce that's really nutritionally blank. Um, Just a a, a green water, really. You give me lettuce, tomato, cucumber, olives, maybe a little bit of grated cheese on the top. I, I don't even need dressing, man. I could eat five pounds of that. I just eat my way through to the bottom. It's like, that's my next habit, guys. I need you to hold me accountable. And Gary, I need you to hold me accountable too here. I need to be eating salad like a rabbit, okay? Because there's no reason in the world I like it. I just haven't made it a habit. In other words, if, if my wife came in here with a bowl and said, eat it, and it was uh, to my liking, I would eat it. But I'm a grown man of 55. Why aren't I making sure I have that every day for lunch, Gary? It's th- throwing in a little sprocket or a little mushroom or, you know, and I mean different, maybe some nuts on the side. I wish I liked legumes, Gary. We're going to have to do a whole show on that because nuts and legumes, I, I'm just not into it, man. Yeah, well, that is another, there, that is another um, talk, I think, Frank. And, and it does sort of move on to perhaps the next Number three uh, here. little topic. Um, I, just before we let go of the getting more vegetables and a little bit more fruit perhaps into the diet um i try to get people to to be mindful of having somewhere in the order of 600 grams of fresh vegetables as opposed and this doesn't include the root vegetables but fresh vegetables 600 grams so what is that that's uh, a little over a pound i think now if you can do that on a daily basis doesn't have to be all at once this is through the day um, then you're starting to get to the place where you're, you're going to have a much better substrate within the gut, within your whole digestive system that's going to do the things that we've talked about. So, so that's what I get people to aim for, around 600 grams. So in Imperial, give me that again. I'm trying to compare that to the tomatoes I just picked up at the market. It's about so what about five hundred grams is or four hundred and fifty grams is about a pound. Pound. So we've got a pound and a pound and a quarter, pound and a third. So I mean that's that's two nice juicy tomatoes. Maybe you don't want to eat two juicy tomatoes a day, but anybody (laughs) can have like for me if I take a tomato and I slice it up into slices and I sprinkle a little good that Himalayan salt or sea salt on it, not a ton, but just enough to give it flavoring. I, that's a good snack, Gary. I don't mind that at all. I mean, I don't know. Is it crazy just to eat a tomato as a snack? I, I mean, it's a way of getting your vegetables, right? Or are you right, going to laugh hard. at me? You're going to laugh at me when we hang up, Gary, and say that boy's crazy. <laughs> no, look, it's it's like it's the important thing is to have the diversity, Frank. So have a tomato one day, but then the next day have some other sort of thing. Can I have yeah, a different so kind of tomato the next day, Gary? <laughs> I really like tomatoes. <laughs> green, man. Green tomatoes, yeah. Um, Excellent. Just bring in the variety, and and as I mentioned, you know the that uh, six hundred grams or the pound and a quarter is the the green vegetables. Essentially, you could have the red tomato in there, but essentially the greens, the, that whole variety. And on top of that, trying to have the variety: potatoes, sweet potatoes, parsnip, carrot, beetroot, radishes, swede, those sort of things. Those starchy root root vegetables are the things that will help to feed, feed the right uh, microbes in your gut. Gotcha. So we've covered nutrition. What's next on the, on the, well, on the so list here? It's, it's still, on the, still on the food, and it's about just that simple thing. You touched on the legume thing, is trying to limit 
red meat and processed meats. Okay. So, you know, the, the, the ham, salami, any of these processed foods, unfortunately, a lot of them have all sorts of interesting, not so beneficial components. Um, and we know that um, more red meat, while it's a protein that's going to provide lots of amino acids for you know, rebuilding tissue, more red meat will actually have potentially more negative effects for most people. And that means people that eat more red meat will have greater incidence of heart disease. People that eat more red meat often have greater issues with things like arthritis, more red meat, and you'll tend to have more problems with even things like bowel cancer. Yeah, exactly. That's what so I was thinking. It doesn't, it doesn't mean, you know, do without it. But just be mindful of you know where is my protein coming from? Can I have a different sort of protein today? Do I need another another big piece of, of steak or or whatever it may be? And trying to once again create some diversity and less reliance on a particular food. Uh, here here of course um, and probably similar for you in the in the US, Frank, red meat is still pretty popular. Of course, chicken has become. Uh, far more common these days than it was 10 or 20 years ago. Uh, and that's, you know, that's, that has some benefits. But it's just once again about not being reliant on the so much red meat and not being reliant on the processed meats in particular. Um, they're just, yeah. There's, there's a lot of stuff, you know, we could also go into the whole realm of acidity in our body. And when we've got more processed foods and more heavy proteins such as red meat, we're going to tend to have a body that's a little bit more acidic overall. And the acidity opens the door to all sorts of, uh, potentially all sorts of chronic diseases. And we don't want to go down that track. And if we consider just one other thing, Frank, is that if we look at cancer statistics, okay, for you in the US, for... Australia and New Zealand, uh, colon cancer, bowel cancer is within the top five cancers that uh, kill people. So, you know, if we can do things to reduce that and maybe get bowel cancer out of the top five, then I think that would be a good thing. Well, it's funny you mention that because I went, I'm 55 now, I went for my first colonoscopy this Tuesday. Which was a piece of cake, by the way. Anybody that's over 50 and doesn't get a colonoscopy like they're supposed to is, is playing Russian roulette, if you ask me. It was a piece of cake, Gary. The drinking the stuff was terrible, but I'm a big boy. I got it down, whatever. You get a good, good thorough cleansing, lost four pounds. And, you know, I felt smart afterwards. I was like, you know, they put the IV in, and 10 seconds later, I'm like, <sighs> next thing I woke up, they're like, you're done. Yeah, but that's the procedure. No, no pain, no nothing. I'm done. You know, my dad has colon cancer right now. God bless me. He's 80 years old. I don't want colon cancer. It's totally preventable. So, you know, you talk about colon and bowel cancer. That's something that we're doing to ourselves, I believe. Um, oh, actually it is. Yeah. Which is unfortunate. You know what I mean? Like, you would never willingly do. And I'm talking about me here. I, I would never willingly do anything stupid to hurt my body because that would, that would be stupid but you do it a thousand times a day automatically and unconsciously. And the thing is to prioritize what matters to you. You only get one body. You only get one 
you know, not to get esoteric or anything, but you only get one life as we know it on this planet in this particular time that you're alive, you know, depending on your faith, you know, or believe in what happens afterwards. But, you know, you're here, you have this meat suit that you're going to wear the rest of your life. You can't change it. You can't trade it in, Gary. And yet it's not one or two, unless you're really dumb and you fly a kite in a, a, you know, with a metal metal kite in a thunderstorm or something like that. Odds are you're going to get through life safely and okay, but it's this death by a thousand cuts that we do to ourselves by the not getting enough water, by the not getting enough exercise, by the not getting enough sleep, by the not getting, not getting, not getting. It's, it's, it's death by neglect and it's benign neglect. It's certainly not, like I say, I don't sit here and go, oh, I want to hurt myself today. I'm going to starve myself of nutrients, but it's like, I'm busy. I'll just eat better later. And then later never comes. And like, but you know, it always comes to bar tab. That's funny, Gary. No matter how badly you treat yourself, sooner or later, your body's going to give you a bar tab and say, pay up, sucker. You, like, there's no, you can't cheat the hangman, Gary. That's what they tell you, you know? That's it. Yep. There's always going to be the time to pay the piper. Yep. And, and that's, that's so true. You know, the, when you're going through your teenage years and your 20s and even 30s, the body works really well in general and we can do all sorts of things. Yeah. Oh yeah, I got my I got my I got my I got my money's worth out of that body back then, Gary. <laughs> Drinking beer, eating yep. pizza, carrying yep. on and cavorting, partying, staying out half the night, getting up and going to work. You know, yep, all that. You know, and those were good good times, and we and real good of, times had a lot of fun. However, real good times. those things that we were doing, both you and I, have an effect on the body and. Come, uh, come to find out, you could have told me that 35, I probably wouldn't have listened to you, Gary, but you could have told me <laughs> well, that 35 that, years ago, babe. This is it, because it's not an instant thing, you know, because it's not an instant thing, we, we keep on doing those, those crazy things. And it's not until we get to a certain point in our life, a certain age in general, uh, 40 for some people, 50 for others, um, we start to realize that, oh, gosh, my body's not quite doing what it used to do. Ooh. Wonder why that is. What's happened? And and then we just need to look back, you know, over the timeline. Think, ah, oh, well, actually, yep, I've been drinking soda and eating pizza every day for the last fifteen years. Perhaps, perhaps that's a reason. Yeah. So, yep. There's there's always going to be a time when the body puts out its hands, says it's time to pay. Thank you very much. And if we're able to do the right thing, then of course that payment is going to be a small payment, and perhaps we might not even see it. So. Um, it's it's just just one of those things where we've got to wise up and understand that we're in complete control of where our body goes in most ways, and uh, that starts with what we eat, what we think, and what we do each day. Well, yeah, and, and it's, it, it, Gary, not to interrupt, but you make such a killer point there because thinking out loud, like it's such a BS excuse. Oh, I'm too busy. Oh, life gets in the way. Oh, you know, and it's just modern day living. That's just the way it is. Well, tell that to a Buddhist monk. You know what I mean? He figured out a way to get up and, and he's still living and he's still fulfilled and happy. And he's, you know, his path may be different, but he's outside bending and praying and chanting and meditating and remaining still and breathing fresh air and everything else. So if he can do it, why can't, why can't we to a certain moderate, you know, a certain degree of moderation? Yep. 
for sure. Yeah, it's not about being perfect and it's not about, you know, living the life of a monk. It's about having an understanding that we do have a responsibility for our body. And if we take our part in that, our body will be responsible for us. And uh, it's, it's, a, it's a two-way street. Gary, we're going to take a commercial break right now because the troops just came home. I'm going to go close the office door here. Give me one second. Sounds we'll just good. Have to mark the time point, and we're going to have to cut this part out. All right. There we go. With a <laughs> very the ball. Hey. There's Nora. Hey, Nora. How you doing? That's Gary. He's in Australia. It's actually tomorrow right there, Nora. It's already, it's already Friday morning where he is. All right, Gary, hang on, a, hang on a second. I'm going to pause. I'm going to pause the cookies. I you left cookies on my desk. I don't know where they are. All right, I'm recording. All right, hold on, Gary. I'm going to stop recording. Hang on a second. I'll be okay, Gary. So there's two more things that we want to talk about real quick, and obviously each one of these could be a conversation all in on its own. But we're just trying to hit the high points here, the talking points. Yeah, for sure, Frank. Yeah. So the the next one, you know, we're looking at you know, what are the things that we can do. And uh, exercise is one of the things we can do. And uh, why? Well, I, I remember seeing, I was at a training thing some years ago, and there was an oncology specialist doing a bit of a talk. So this cancer specialist basically gave us a question. He says, well, what is the one thing that we could do to reduce the incidence of cancer by 30%? And the answer is, Exercise, regular exercise into the routine can reduce the incidence of cancer by up to 30%. That's just crazy. So, you, you mentioned that last call and that's, that stays with me, Gary, because that's like yeah, 30%. So you, that's almost one third, man. That's like... And that's with cancer, Frank. You know, just imagine the benefits of other things. You know, cancer's right down the end of the continuum. Just imagine the benefits in many, many different ways. Everything from energy to sleeping better to having a better immune system, et cetera, et cetera. You know, all from just having some form of rec regular exercise in, in your routine. It really is a, a very fundamental thing. And that's just 30, like 30 percent. That's dramatic, though. That's huge. That's, that's, and, and, you know, when we were kids, nobody had to tell us to exercise. We ran around the playground all day. Totally, you know, and this, we've got arms and legs for a reason. And we don't have them so that we can get up from the, the couch to change the channel on the television or the, or the uh, stereo. We've got them so we can get out there in amongst nature and move and walk and run and climb and swim and whatever it is. These well, it's this, this whole beautiful planet to explore. And, you know, Gary, just thinking about exercise. So when I was a kid... Even if it was raining out, I didn't want to stay inside. My friends didn't either. We'd be outside playing in the rain, you umbrella, you know, boots, whatever. You were yeah. outside, man. To stay in was punishment, you know? Yeah. For sure. It's, yeah. it's, it's in, and even just like a 15-minute, we'll, we'll talk about this and how exercise, because like I say, each one of these is a topic in and of itself. I just want to hit, make sure we're hitting the high points today. But exercise directly affects the gut is what you're saying. Yep, it does. Yep, it does. It's, uh, it's one of those things that, of course, drives more fuel, more, more blood and more nutrients right around the body. And the digestive system is part of that. So, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a way of just giving us a little bit of a kick, 
kick in the life, really. So you're, there's worry getting comfortable back there. There's, if you look back there, guys, <laughs> there's worry. There's no point in trying to keep this a sterile studio, Gary. I'd have to drop a net exactly. or a screen. I, I mean, five kids, four cats, and a dog, and it's like it's insanity here. Um, so exercise, right? We're going to cover that in detail because I think the thing is, how do you make exercise a habit so that you forget you're even exercising is one yeah. thing to talk about because people are like, oh, I really need to get to the gym. And it's like, well, you don't have to get to the gym. You know what I mean? Like you say, you got two arms, you have two arms and two legs for a reason. And we'll cover that on another uh, fireside chat here. But what's number four? Uh, number, that's number four, Gary, I should say. What's number five? So number five, and we've kind of covered it a little bit, but it's basically looking at perhaps using some sort of probiotic or prebiotic in your daily routine. Now, there is obviously uh, the need to look at what we're eating. And right. for me, it's a food first. You know, this is, this is the first step. What are we eating? How can we change that? How can we improve it? And so on and so forth. And that in itself, if we're improving our food choices, we're going to be improving our prebiotic and our probiotic quota in the gut. But for some people, you know, considering there's trillions of cells within the system and we know that there are certain different types of probiotic products these days that have quite specific properties so this is the kind of thing where it's not only about the gut but it's about having an awareness and an understanding that certain aspects of the gut function and in this case the probiotic function can actually target different types of concerns that we as individuals may have so that's a whole other topic on its own of course but it's it's about having plenty of the good guys and in certain instances, for example, say a skin problem is an issue, uh, an eczema type issue or something like that. We know that there's certain types of probiotics that can actually lessen the load and improve those pitches. So yeah, probiotics and the best way to do that, of course, yes, you can take a probiotic supplement, but Let's look at food. So here we've got the good old-fashioned fermented foods that have become quite popular in recent times in certain areas. And this includes everything from a traditional yogurt to kefir, which may be a, a water-based kefir or a milk-based kefir, uh, and uh, sauerkraut and fermented foods like kimchi. So all of these things right. are live foods that help to fortify the colonies of good bacteria that are going to be present in our gut and all, as I say, all with quite specific roles to help maintain integrity. Just, and I know we have a ton more to cover and that's why we're going to keep doing these conversations, but you, you talk about pinpointing stuff. So you mean to tell me there's different probiotic supplements that I can get that would, because I always thought you just took acidophilus or some kind of probiotic and it just did whatever it did. There was a million of these little microorganisms and spread out. But you're saying there's types of them that you would pick up in a, a shop and they would target yeah, different... There are, there are Frank. Yeah, there's, wow. there's been a massive amount of research in this area in the last probably five, ten years in particular. And, and the science um, improves all the time. And there are some companies that have been able to isolate quite specific... Um, probiotics and in some cases they've been able to patent a particular strain um, because they've shown a direct link between the strain and this particular illness or this particular disease so 
yeah, it is it is happening. It is out there. It's still there's still work to be done, but we know that uh, already in the scientific literature there are some quite specifics that can make a big difference to certain people. I would love to hear about that. Can we agree that we'll stop here and we'd cover that on another chat? Because that just fascinates me. That thought right there. I mean, we've covered five really important things and we've elaborated on them. And each one of those is a topic for itself and stands on its own. But basically what Gary and I are saying, if you just try to try to make practice uh, practical improvements in each of these five areas and um, you'll, you'll see results. Again, think of your, gut as a planet with a whole bunch of citizens and you what you give them is going to be directly related to what you get out of the whole equation which is your health so if you're not keeping your constituency and your population happy you can't cry when you get blowback and riots and upset and and destruction i mean it's 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 a simple thing and you know you learn bad habits as a grown-up. I don't know how many bad habits you really learn as a kid, Gary. It's more as an adult. We kind of unlearn the good things that we did as children. We make excuses and we let our lifestyle get in the way of what we could and should be doing. And it's time to kind of roll some of that back. And I hope over this series of calls, we'll continue to inspire people to really look at what are modest, simple modifications that they can make that reap some really nice benefits. And again, if you can make, if you can change one thing in your life, you can change two. If you can change two, you can change five. If you can change five things over a period of time, you can change anything in your life. There's, you're unstoppable at that point. We're going to talk about uh, so much more, and I hope you tune back in with my good friend Gary Beck. This is Frank Aaron. Thank you so much for listening to us. Gary, it's already your Friday. It's my Thursday evening. How's my Friday looking so far? Yeah, it's looking pretty good, Frank. It's, uh, it's warm. And the beach is beckoning, and uh, yeah, it's looking like another great day. So Rascal. I just hope everyone, yep, everyone uh, at your end of the of the tape has a great day and uh, the rest of the evening. And we look forward to connecting again real soon. Excellent. Thanks for your time, Gary. Thanks for everybody at home for watching and listening. And we'll speak to you very soon. Bye, everybody. Bye. For now.